Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And we have a very, very special episode for you today. So this is the conclusion of the last two that you've presented to us. Yes, it is. Which is our interview with the man himself. That's right. Dave Pelzer. Dave Pelzer. Yes, you guys, he agreed to come on to Crime Curious. We had a fabulous interview with him. And we fangirled a little. We did fangirl a bit. He kind of fanboyed back. He did. So he I did. We'll take that. it. Me yes. too. It makes you feel good. We're shake, shake our greedy. Yep. Shake Gree-gree. our greedy that we did tell Dave all about. Oh, yeah. He was super impressed. That's right. <laughs> and I'm, let me uh, read his bio. Read his introduction here before we release the, the episode of our interview with Excited Dave. Excited about this. All right. As an individual who represents overcoming adversity, Dave has dedicated his life helping others to help themselves. As a former Air Force combat air crew member, Dave's job entailed mid-air refueling of once highly secretive SR-71 Blackbird and the F-117 Stealth Fighter. While on active duty, Dave was selected as California Volunteer of the Year. Dave has received personal commendations from from four U.S. presidents, Dave was honored as one of the 10 outstanding young Americans and later was the only American to be honored as the outstanding young person of the world. Dave is also the recipient of the National Jefferson Award, which is considered the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service. Other recipients include Sandra Day O'Connor and Colin Powell. Dave is the author of nine inspirational books, His books have been on the bestsellers list for well over 13 years combined. A Child Called It Alone has been on the New York Times bestseller list for well over six years. Dave is the first author to have four number one international bestsellers and to have four books simultaneously on the New York Times bestsellers list. For nearly the last 10 years, Dave has served as a California fire captain in two separate districts. During that time, he's been deployed to the state's most uh, horrendous fires. Please help me welcome an individual who believes that our only limitation is ourselves, Dave Peltzer. Welcome, Dave. Hello, Miss Megan. And think about it, ladies and gentlemen, I'm the little geek boy from Nowhereville, and I'm talking to two hotties, man. By the way, ladies, I brush my tooth and comb my hair, and I'm wearing my Tommy Bahama knit uh, uh, 
shirt just for you ladies. Oh my gosh, I love you got that. dressed up just for us. Ugh. Oh baby, baby. <laughs> and, and Dave, while I appreciate the compliment, I can only tell you that um, my sister, I, literally I, I told her what I was doing today and she's like, are you effing kidding me? Can you get his autograph? I'm such a big fan. And I'm like, well, we're on the radio, so it's kind of hard to get signatures. Right. It's so weird in life that, you know, I'd rather be recognized not not for the book per se, but I'm very proud that, you know, I got a few accolades and, you know, I was a fire captain there for a while and, you know, that whole circle of life thing, you know, and, and at my age, I'm, I'm kind of like a an honorary mayor of this small little city. And I just want to be like the ambassador of goodwill and spread good cheer and hopefully, you know, let people know we're going to be fine. Everything's just us. You know, one drink at a time, one day at a time. That's yeah, right. absolutely. That's right. Well, you now, mentioned. Now, now, tell me about your, so you've got a good show. How long have you had your show going? Go ahead, Sharna. Oh, this is, we're going into our third year here at oh, Crime Curious. Good. Yeah, and it has turned into um, quite a little funny thing. Um, we Let's let's introduce Dave to our Grigri that we oh, shake Lord. at the we, beginning. We inadvertently became superstitious, Dave. Yep. Yep. So, so our listeners started sending us, um, I call it Grigri because I have an affinity for uh, the New Orleans area and actually just got back from mm-hmm. there on a work trip on a domestic violence conference. And uh, yeah, so people sent us these raccoon bones and I'll just let you guess which area of the raccoon those came from, but apparently they're good luck in some cultures. Okay. And then, um. yep, yep. This <laughs> is the stuff that people send us. They do. And then yeah, we, yeah, it's 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 weird. Yeah, we're weird. What's the weirdest thing that you've ever received? Um, let me see. The moron twins from Dallas wanted to, to kidnap me and wanted my address. They actually called the office to state, "We're going to kidnap Mr. Pelzer and have him confess that he's not the real Dave Pelzer we are, even though we're twins." <laughs> oh, uh, good back. lord! There's there somebody is, was having a mental yeah. health day. Yeah, and, and there's always the Batman jet. Get your Batman jet and find me. I don't know where I'm at, Mr. Pelzer, but you have to find me now. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So um, you know I what? Was, uh, we're doing okay it, by it, just we're... getting sent raccoon penis bones. <laughs> I oh, think God. we are. I think we are. <laughs> um, yep, that's that's where we are with now, it. Now, what, I'd like, now, what I'd like to do is be one of your semi-regular guests if it works out. Oh, God, if anytime. Would love that. Because I try, to keep, I try to give out good information. And I try to do it in a loving way, but then a little bit of humor, too, because right now, and you know this more than I do, particularly, there's going to be more stress involved in, you know, whether Mr. Trump gets indicted or the Proud Boys remain proud. Or there's, there's always an excuse to ignite things, and my job as a firefighter is to put out the fire before it spreads. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Very simple stuff. I love that. And then from our perspective, Dave, we 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 try to be super non-political because we understand we have listeners from right, all different right, walks. Right. But the whole yeah. point is to to present something to the audience that's that's interesting that they may not have thought of before from different yeah. perspectives. Because Charnel, yeah, and and we yes. do. And, yep. Yes. And, and just and have one fun. Thing I'll say because I did research, ladies. I'm going to say that is we need more good soldiers on the front lines. You know, with shows like this and just, you know, tell them the truth. You know, I don't have all the answers, but try this, try that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and make them feel comfortable because it's going to be a ride. Soldier Dumbest predicts. Soldier Dumbest is all unknown, all seen. I predict the next two years are going to be a ride. What was that? Betty Davis? 
put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. <laughs> yes. yes. It's going to yeah. be a bumpy ride. Sometimes we say that at the beginning of the episodes. Buckle up, Buttercup, because this one's going to be there you go. bumpy. Grab, yeah. grab your comfort yeah. items. And it's kind of like raising children, you know, in, 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 in a sense, like, you know, you want to protect your babe the first eight years, but then the next 10, 20 years, you, you have them protect themselves through knowledge and empowerment. But people have yeah. to make issues out of everything. We use a lot of humor, which yeah. seems like it yeah. wouldn't coincide with true crime, but truly it does. It does. We do. That's yeah. kind of, that's one of our strong kind of suits. Men, men, you know, everything kind of mushes together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Let, let's, what I'll do is this. Let me follow your lead. Okay. You can ask me anything you want and we'll keep it kind of lighthearted. Great. Yeah, that's our style for so, sure. Also, also, can I ask a favor, please? Write this down when you lay it. Give me um, your address to both of you, and your sister's name and address, and I'll send you um, that book, Return to the River. Oh my gosh! I'll, we'll, we'll totally we'll email is, you as soon as we get done and give oh you those, yeah. Dave. Yeah. That, that book is is an amazing book. It's my nod to Christopher Nolan who will get the next Oscar for the film Oppenheimer. Uh, and it's, it's got all these threads about looking at your life's work and decisions you made right and wrong, and yet keep moving forward. And it just happened to co- coincide with the World of Worlds pandemic. Okay. Because that really leveled the playing field, and we'll talk about it on your show. Mm-hmm. But I would like to get your addresses because uh, when I'm done with this, I'm on to something else. And, I, and and maybe you can send me some photos of the two hotties. Okay, I'll put them oh, up there. Oh, sure. <laughs> I'll put them over. Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, who's that lady that got married? She had a new beau. She had a new husband. Every every month. Who is that lady? She was married to Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put you over her. Okay. <laughs> oh, we'll make sure the lighting is tasteful. Dave, you're making yeah, me blush yeah, yeah. over here. I need to see my optometrist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh gosh! Shoot. Hey, so Dave, this this is Megan again. Um, I'm on to start with a question. Obviously, it would be easy, and I'm sure in a million interviews that you've done, everybody starts off with um, the abuse and the neglect, and like, why did you write? Um, you know, a child mm-hmm. called it. Yeah, but, I'm gonna I, I, go. I, I, I'm gonna go someplace else with it though. Before and and work backwards. Yeah, every, whatever, whatever you want. Everything that I've read from you mm-hmm. in terms of what you're doing now, um, and and really how you started off our conversation today, because you're very you're very positive, but in a realistic way, to me speaks to resiliency. And so, to me, you're not somebody who has this really awful story, although you do. It's more about what you've been able to do because of it. Yeah. So, what is yeah. your resiliency message, and how did you come about forming your resiliency message? Well, I, I think on the latter first, you know, resiliency, people forget this, but everybody has it. It's, it's just a matter, it's kind of like that uh, Star Wars, the Force be with you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everybody overcomes something in their life. And children by nature are very resilient. You can put a kid in a room, you might cry for a few minutes, but after a half hour, an hour, they'll start making a fort or scourging for food or doing something Mm-hmm. per se. Uh, we saw that in film. There was a young actor in Steven Spielberg film in one of his first starring roles, Empire of the Sun, Christian Bale, or Christensen Bale, who played Batman at that Yes. And there's a scene in which he has to forage for himself because mom and dad are not coming home. And if you look at my everything that happened to me, particularly as a child, mm-hmm. happened at the right time. The, the, the tumblers came in to connect 
and play. And I always knew, and we kind of call this the Clark Kent effect. <laughs> no one really likes Clark. He's a geeky guy. He's a nerd. He doesn't fit in. He doesn't have, he's not athletic. And the girls really don't like him. He's just a dorky guy, or so it seems. On the inside, where no one can see, I mean, he's faster than a speeding bullet. He comes from a different planet. You know, he wants to do good and be righteous. And it's almost like, too, when you look at these Marvel comic characters, you know, the Batman, Wonder Woman, and so forth. It's always on the inside, the inside that shines through. And I knew once I was out of my uh, predicament of being abused and landed and God bless, landed in, 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 in the arms of foster care, I saw things differently than a lot of the kids. And I knew, wow, you guys talk tough and you'd say things, but man, I can kick your butt mentally from here to Christmas. <laughs> and then I applied that when I was a member of the armed forces. And I always had that go-to. And I, I kind of lost it a little bit because uh, I was so busy being on the road in my uh, 30s and 40s. And then I rediscovered it recently during COVID that I still have a very strong will. And a lot of people sometimes they, they, don't, they get pushed up against that wall, you know, and, and, and everything in their life has been simple, dimple, and then, uh-oh, I have cancer. Uh-oh, uh, Johnny needs braces. And how are we going to do that? Uh-oh, I have COVID and I can't run away from that. I was lucky that it happened to me early. It was a very hard lesson. But I'm at the age right now, I feel like uh, uh, Robin Williams meets Gran Torino right. <laughs> in, 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 a, in a sense, or Will Rogers. I feel like an elderly statesman, and I do have a, I act affable, and I have a you know, pretty wild sense of humor. You do. But I'm very serious about being of service, because right now, a lot of people are scared. We're seeing it in, in crime sprees. We're seeing it in uh, abuse. We're seeing it in, even in, in politics, per se. In every era of, or every mm-hmm. fraction of our life, there's always something negative. But it's like, I kind of tell with my little podcast show, I say every day our kids come home from school is a blessing. Right. Every day yeah. that we're COVID-free is a blessing. I mean, my God, when I saw, because I'm a movie buff, uh, I was going to see that new Maverick film last year. When I saw Mr. Cruz introduce the film, he said, thank you. Thank you for waiting for this. We wanted to give you the best film on the big screen. Thank you. I'm going, yeah. And we thank you. See, everybody helped us during COVID because I thought it was going to be a Mad Max situation with hijacking of trucks and food and so forth. Yeah, it felt post-apocalyptic. We all pitched in together. We helped out our fellow man. Our neighbors, we paid respects to people who are doing a great job as they always have. You know, and to me, that's that's where this country shines. Dave, because tell- this country, in a sense, was formulated to be resilient. I'm yeah. just happy to be on the train. It sounds to me like you are saying your resilience came from what I call your inner being. Um, interesting that we're having this conversation because um, very soon I'm actually going to be starting another podcast and launching um, another business where I help people navigate life from their inner being out instead Mm -hmm. of their external being in, right? And so, and just like you're speaking to of learning how to 
how to work and discern your life situations from the inside out instead of the outside in and becoming yeah. building that resiliency and knowing that actually everything that you need is already inside of you. You have to simply access it and remember it and, and apply gotta, it. Yes, because I think part of the thing is I'm 62 and I was raised, you never said the N word to a teacher. You never said no. You always were respectful yes. of, of public servants. You, you, you were respectful of your elders. But the, the, the generations after me, particularly like my, my before my son was born in his generation, everything was so quick. Mm -hmm. relationships, information, you know, credit card. And it was an external thing like, oh, my God, I got to get this. I got to get that. I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. I had a foster child tell me one time he was complaining that uh, his foster parents didn't give him a, a Nintendo. Mm -hmm. I need a Nintendo. I said, shut up. You don't need a Nintendo. You want mm -hmm. right. a Nintendo. Mm -hmm. But what you need is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, mm -hmm. and it's, I remember there was a change, shift on how we perceive things. I was in Seattle giving a seminar and I said the L word in public. Oh, brouhaha. I said, lady, oh my goodness. Oh, oh my It's not politically correct, Dave. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't understand it and I still don't understand a lot, but I can see how small little things people forget. You know, you, it's amazing. Uh, uh, I, I, I met this beautiful African-American lady. She raised a uh, um, single mom raised five boys and they all went to college great mm -hmm. now let's 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 be simple we know it's very simple and it's so easy to be a single parent particularly a mom <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> yeah and super and, easy and, mm -hmm. uh, come on come on let's let's add on let's go uh, uh, an african-american woman so easy yeah. to do all that right and i was right. so fascinated by it. i said sweetheart god bless you how did you do it she says i cannot explain it I did it. It's done. Get out of my way. And I'm like, I can't, yeah, I can't. you go, girl. You know what? That's how you I know? feel about childbirth <laughs> or yeah. raising our oh, children yeah. in these times yes. anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how and, do you successfully not have them go to jail? I don't I know. I don't know. I don't know. But we did it. Know. Right. <laughs> but the bottom line is, you know, we all have something. We've all been wrong. We've all been violated. We've always had, all of us have had our feelings hurt. We've experienced suffering and loss. Yep. I always say if you had a bad divorce, you can survive a, a, a bad argument. If you can survive cancer, you can survive the flu. Mm -hmm. We can survive COVID. We can basically do anything because that put us on a different level that we had to spend for ourselves. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. know. You had to and spend I, time I with yourself that. and, like, really pay attention to yourself for a minute because the world stopped, yeah, right? Yeah, inventory. Yeah, and, I, and it really changed people. It really, really did. So, Dave, yeah, you and, started and, and, your podcast during COVID, right? Yeah, I was asked. I did a, for years, I did this um, internet show, and I'm so proud. And I don't know how many uh, you know, professional motivational speakers can say this. I did a show live from Baghdad. Oh, really? A, a show live from Baghdad. And and it was a little bit of SNL. I had a little mock skit, you know, and, right. and so forth. But I, I started the podcast show. I was asked to do it for years because, you know, I, I, I've traveled a lot, done a lot of public speaking. And I just, I'm a, I think the Internet's a fad. I have a slide rule. I don't trust this technology, man. I've watched right. Terminator way too many times. I'm scared. <laughs> and I finally, I finally got, you know, kicked in the face and said, do this. Because there was so much 
fear, unneeded fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had COVID, we had this, we had that. And I just wanted to kind of be a semi voice of reason and calm with a little, little bit of Robin Williams to it. Right. Because mm-hmm. to me, common sense right now really makes sense. Everybody's looking for once I get a million dollars, if I win Trump lotto, mm-hmm. if I lose 50 pounds, then I'll be mm-hmm. happy. Say, right. shut up. Right. Be happy now. Now. There it exactly. is. Exactly. Because you're be always, it, it doesn't matter. You're always going to be waiting for the next thing. Okay. So you want to lose 50 pounds to be happy. So you lose those 50 pounds. You're going to find something else to still rely on for your happiness. Okay. Well, now, you know, now That's I want to lose. Again, the external, internal, and yeah. the internal is so, so, so important mm-hmm. to me. You know, like I, I've done some, I don't do a lot of, 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 of uh, the business seminar things. It's just, I'm just too different for them. You know, I do a lot of work in the public service field, you know, teachers and education, you know, and social services and military. And, and yet the, the, the corporate kids, the boys and girls, they, well, how did you do it? How did you do it? You're a success. Well, I just did what I had to do. Step off. Next. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like fighting cancer. How do, how, how do these kids do that? Mm-hmm. How does a child fight cancer? child doesn't know any better. Just do what you got to do. But right. it's got to be from the inside. It's got to be that, that inner drive. There mm-hmm. was a, um, um, the former California governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and it's great that I can do Arnold's voice better than even you. <laughs> you know, it's like whenever I see him, he passed my head and says, you're the guy that does my voice. I'm going, I do it better than you. Okay, get out. <laughs> you know, this is a chopper. And he has, um, on Netflix, he has a three-part series called Arnold. And the first part is about bodybuilding. The second part is about the, the, the movies, you know, breaking in. And the third part, at the last section, he actually opens up, says, you know, I screwed this up. I'm an asshole. I did this. I should have done that. Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. All of my friends are basically dead. I'm still alive. And he said, you know what we need to do to success in life at this age? Keep moving. Stay busy. Make it happen. And I thought, damn, that is so perfect because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. life is about movement. Think the movie World War Z with our good friend of mine, Mr. Brad Pitt. I like, I literally just watched that movie two nights ago. And what did he say? Life is about movement. You have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, you just keep on going. Clint right. Eastwood, uh, uh, you know, what, what did he say? Uh, goodness gracious, uh, dying ain't much of a living, is it, boy? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. You, yeah, so you have to have that inner drive attitude. Mm-hmm. And there's never a balance. You know, the, 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 the cobbler's kid will always be shoeless, mm-hmm. per se. That Peter Todd will, you're either too much or too little, and that's just life. Right. There's no such thing as a perfect life, but you have to make your own happiness. And I got to tell you, ladies, the older I get, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a voyeur. I study psychology. I study like a Walt Disney or Robin Williams, a Timothy McVeigh, right. uh, an Adolf Hitler. I, I study ordinary people, extraordinary people. And I have to say this nicely, is I am the most blessed person I know. I'm the most luckiest son of a gun I've ever come across. But I try to use my luck to help out others. And I try to be, you know, pretty, pretty humble. At the same time, I believe in a certain calling to do something. I was in 
foster care and this Doc Brown psychiatrist in front of my foster mom and my beautiful social worker said there's basically no chance in hell for Pelzer. The abuse that he sustained from age four to age eight, living in a basement for six to eight years, he can barely talk, he can barely walk. I predict he's going to be dead or in prison by the time he's 18 or 20. And the one thing that really saved me is I thought, shit, if I can survive all that I did without any help and without any training, I'm going to do this. And I actually like the N word. I like the word no. They say you never join the Air Force. Really? I hold the rank of chief of the United States Air Force. I flew the top secret weapon systems. I was involved with the Blackbird program, the spy plane, the stealth fighter. I was a mid-air refueler. Uh, let me see. The worst case of child abuse. I'm California Volunteer of the Year. Uh, mm -hmm. The ugly little boy, outstanding young American, outstanding young person of the world. And I have the National Jefferson Award. Mm, Colin Powell has it. And uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, Supreme Justice. Mm -hmm. yeah. A boy that uh, everybody wanted to be an astronaut. I would read books in the basement of my cellar where I resided. I'd read uh, Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Cabin Boy stories of Treasure Island. And eventually I became an author. Couldn't, mm -hmm. can't believe it. When I retired, uh, I became a firefighter and then a fire captain in two separate districts in California. How did you get beyond the statistic, Dave? Those statistics that they on? gave you when you were, when you were sitting there with the, with that psychologist, with your foster mom, and she's yeah. given you the, the numbers, right? And then unfortunately, those are the numbers. She was giving you stats. She didn't know you yeah. from Adam, but those were the stats. But at the same time, I understand that roadmap, mm -hmm. you know, but then mm -hmm. again, too, I mean, my brain developed quicker because when my mom didn't feed me, I had to learn to steal food in a certain way. When she caught me doing this, I would go to that. I had this mm -hmm. weird, beautiful mind thing. I was always reading, always studying, always thinking ahead, 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 you know, because that's, I mean, when you're in the basement, what did Nixon say? When you're in jail, that's when you write your best memoirs because there's nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> so I was always thinking and I saw life in a different lens. In foster care, again, I saw kids doing stupid things that, that, that can really harm them in the long run. In foster care, in junior high, I was working 20, 30, 40 hours a week. High school, 40 to 60 minimum. So I was on a different plane. I was trying things that they said I can never do, never do. And I said, well, and that's the thing too, when people hear the word no, oh, okay, see you later. It says no. No is only for the now. It doesn't mean forever. Right, right, exactly. You know, because people quit. When you when you start quitting on yourself, that's it. You're done. Yeah. You're done, you're done, you're done. Yeah. And we see it in, in, in struggle. And we see it particularly when people have, you know, they're facing a, a divorce or a health issue. You know, we see that. But in my case, I had these building blocks as a child. And all I had to do is run up the pyramid. Big deal. Mm -hmm. Big deal. I remember... A story, I was in the Air Force, and I was a swamp cook. You see, the Air Force didn't want a skinny high school dropout foster child. So I just basically got into the skin of my teeth. So I was a swamp cook in Florida in this one squadron. And this one captain picks me up out of the swamp uh, from 3 o'clock in the morning. He drove three and a half hours so I can get to this base and do tryouts for what's called jump school, paramilitary school. There yeah. was like four slots. Everybody else had rest and food. I didn't. Everybody else had their running shoes and shorts. I had boots on and thick cotton pants. 
In the first exercise, you have to run two miles. I was in back of the pack, back of the pack, and I saw the, the turnaround point, and I just put it in the gear. I blew everybody away, everybody away by at least a minute and a half. Then you have to do the 35 push-ups and 35 sit-ups in a minute. And guess what? I still failed because I was short by two push-ups. So you know what I did? I made sure I ran every day. I made sure I do push-ups every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, do 60 push-ups every half hour. And I eventually got the slot. And I eventually graduated. You mm-hmm. have to have that inner drive. And you have to know falling down is bad. But, you know, get up. That's why we love the movie Rocky. Right. The original Rocky. We know there's Rocky knows, you know, uh, everybody knows. His girlfriend knows. He's never going to win against Apollo Creed. Creed's a machine. He's got sponsors. He's got everything all mapped out. It's a business. He thinks he's going to put on a show. Right. When Rocky falls and gets up and falls and gets up, Rocky, Rocky. All of us are Rockies in a sense. You just have to flip the switch. Mm-hmm. And every it's an everyday thing. I mean, I told that when I used to work with kids, I was a counselor in juvenile hall. All right, you had a good day today. You got a, an A minus, but you've got to earn it tomorrow and the next and the next and the next. Mm-hmm. I have four teenage boys, and I love to tell them, you can't just make the wish. You have to do the wish as well. You have to make it, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to do it. You have to like. You have to have that, that, that quiet fire, and you have to know where you come from. I mm-hmm. think that's so important. We forget. I always tell people, remember how bad it was in XYZ, you know, whether it was a divorce or, or you lost your job or you lost a lover or something. When you really thought the world was coming to an end. Always remember that moment. So when you're having a good day, you will cherish it yeah. all the more. All that, yes. I do wonder, too, if when we speak about resiliency, when you know that you've already been through hell, then when you face your next challenge, you're like, well, fuck, I can do this. Look at what I've already been through. I, I do think that that helps people, whereas... Um, Sometimes other people have a difficult time coping because they just simply haven't ever had to face trauma or um, something that has been devastating, you know, to their life and their whole system shuts down and it can just flip their world upside down. And they just it's like they just completely forget that they are sovereign in their own power and ability to change their reality, you know, Um and so I, I wonder if like just in listening to you talk, I can tell that just your whole journey was very divinely mapped out to help you be a leader um, at this moment in your life to tell people, listen, you can remind people you can get through. You have to do it, but you can get through literally any of the life's ups and downs and battles that are always going to come. Right. Life is never yeah, going to I, stop. I, I am a <laughs> such a strong believer and, and I say at my little show I said there's always going to be something mm-hmm. okay uh, a high tide of solar eclipse Johnny needs braces oh my god where's the keys or I can't unpack this box or I can't it's always going to be something yep and I think again that the, the, the field was leveled because of COVID in, in, in such a sense because it was a, it affected everybody's mental health in one way or another but it, it's you know I, I think a lot of people thought you know hey like my son called one time he says dad work is hard I didn't know that what work is hard yeah <laughs> marriage is not fun no. I didn't know that either 
oh my God, you're a genius. You know, because of a lot of things, a lot of people got things readily. So, I mean, think, mm-hmm. I, I remember Amazon when it was a river. You know, or, or, you know, my, 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 my goodness, everything is so instantaneous in a sense, you know, a lot of people didn't work for it. And I love, I'm, I'm very proud of, of, of the fact that I've accomplished a few things, but I, if I accomplish one thing properly, I have probably failed it a million times. So you, again, you know, you won't, you don't want to be narcissistic. You, You want to just have that 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 in your toolbox as we say in the fire department that's a good lesson keep that in your toolbox learn from it mm-hmm. and at the same time give people you know viable information that they can use right now yes dave i want to talk about your books for a minute so because i really want to know about your new one um that's coming out as well but starting at the beginning where where, where were you in your life that you said okay this is it i'm going to write my story um a, a child call it i'm going to write the the really okay. worst of the worst that happened to me okay you know what now i gotta go tom and find lieutenant diane right, lieutenant. here's the thing okay. I, I have forced gumped myself in 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 into the the, the the writing field a child called it was a thank you letter for my teacher. That was the idea. Mm. I gave myself 10 years, get your act together and thank your teachers because I was rescued by my teachers. Mm-hmm. They called the police. There weren't laws to protect kids or those trying to protect kids back in that day. So this was mm-hmm. this was, this was was a Mission Impossible rescue mission. So what happened, I, I said, well, I'm going to give myself 20 years rather than 10. I was a new father and I was involved in being a counselor in juvenile hall and you know, you see things and wow, you know, whatever. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice? Because I had the letter written. It was a four-page letter, 40-page letter, 80-page letter. And I said, what if I kind of told the story of how these teachers, you know, helped save me and, and it, you know, give them the whole, you know, show. And what I'm proud is I thought the book was published. It was not. There was a difference. It was printed. Mm. And I'm so proud to say that book was given to my teachers on the exact date my 20 year anniversary of being rescued uh, and I, oh, will say wow. that, I will say that see here's the thing ladies uh i'm a romantic everything in my life is about romance having a cup of coffee having a glass of wine talking to two hot ladies on the phone <laughs> you know i love to cook i have i spend more money monthly on flowers and plants and i do libations and Uncle dave loves a good libation right so, <laughs> so have, do we do so do megan I and charnel i have a few Celebrity photos, you know, politicians, presidents, or, you know, actors and musicians. And the only one that is framed, and it's actually right behind me, is, is my four teachers and my uh, mm. uh, my librarian. On the, when they got the first copies of the book, A Child Called It. And, of course, it was dedicated to them. And I will say this. Uh, that was the number one book in the world. It was. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. book was on the New York Times for six years the average stay is three weeks right 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 and it's just again a blessing within a blessing and i was able to use that you know to to, to have a voice and just you know to, to hopefully help out i hopefully can't imagine how profound that must have been for them dave because truly oh. until they read that book they didn't have a you know yeah, the full have, story they didn't know and, and it was it was so sad because what i did is i interviewed uh, Miss Constan, one of my teachers, Miss Woodworth, my English teacher, 
And uh, Mr. Ziegler, my homeroom teacher, he was physically the, the first male teacher we had ever. And he was very Clint Eastwood-esque. <laughs> I mean, tall guy and grumbly voice. And I interviewed him on one of the last segments of my book. And that's when he told me why they finally had to pull the trigger, per se, and call the authorities. And I had no effing idea. I just somehow blocked it out. And we were crying in public at this restaurant. I remember, uh, what was that? Line dancing was a big thing. The country went to yeah, line yeah. dancing. And right in front of me, there was these beautiful people, you know, you can smell the perfume and the sweat and, you know, look in each other's eyes. And they, everybody stopped because we were both crying. Right. Mm. And it's weird because you have to look at not only what happened to me, but the collateral damage it had on my parents' marriage, uh, my siblings, my neighbors, relatives. And those poor kids in school, because I would go into school at times and kids would regurgitate. I had thick, yellow skin. You know, I smelled. I was allowed to bathe. I was stealing food left and right. And as time progressed with the success of the book, where I would always go back to the exact same school every uh, uh, anniversary. And it became a one-day, two-day event. And the last time I went before everybody retired, it was Palooza. <laughs> all over the county, every school, you know, social services, police departments, meeting them there. It was just like I was running for president of the county. And uh, I'm very proud. The second book, The Lost Boy, uh, was also dedicated to my teachers and social services and my foster parents. And it became kind of like a, a Star Wars thing because <laughs> uh, we did the trilogy series. And then I did some self-help books. And then I did uh, a Stand By Me book called... Uh, uh, privilege of youth, but I'm very proud to say that um, my my book that came out a few months ago is called Return to the River, and it's it's a very thick book with a lot of threads, like a good Christopher Nolan film. All right, and it and, and it's it's a very romantic film. It's a very romantic or probably romantic book about love and loss. It's got, kind of got the Casablanca effect in there, and it's about you know taking inventory of your life. You know, decisions you made right and wrong, and yet still in the middle of the war of the world's pandemic, right. trying to hold it together, even though I kind of gave up on my faith. Not my faith, I just kind of gave up on myself. And then finding that drive in the middle of all this crap, because I was a fire captain in two separate districts, uh, uh, two hours apart, going back and forth and back and forth. And oh. I have to make an, un- uh, I have to, an unexpected situation happened, an unexpected divorce, because my wife had moved away to be closer to her family. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, we can't do this anymore, Dave. We love each other, but this is not working. And packing and then trying to find a place to live. And so it's, I, I'm sitting here talking to two beautiful ladies, and I still cannot believe I did all that I did. And as a writer, I'm very slow. It takes me a good, you know, six, eight hours for one paragraph. And this book came out very quickly you know it's kind of like yeah mm-hmm. and and it's a beautiful beautiful book you know, I can't about wait. my character my character returning to my beloved russian river before things went crazy mm-hmm. can and i my mom there was a Let's talk about, no, because you're getting into something I really am interested in. So if I recall correctly from the first book, you go very in-depth about the last really good memory you had and it was russian river mm-hmm. Can you tell yeah. our, our listeners about that memory and what drew yeah. you back to it's, it? Uh, 
um, I had, well, the kind of, the, let's, let's kind of look at this in a different scope. The cover of the book I had designed and commissioned, it was like I was the co-producer of the book, it was in the summer of 1966 at the Russian River. I am five years old. I get out of the kindergarten early, run up the little hill, station wagons packed. We're going across the Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm like a dog. I go, oh my God, oh my God, hey, look, look, what's going on? <laughs> my brothers are asleep. We go into this, go into this town on this one-laden bridge, the Trussell Bridge, and it was the most amazing summer of my life. Things were getting kind of out of control, and two things happened in the summer of '66 that changed my life. One, I took a walk with my father. After we did the dinner dishes, father would always want his alone time and have a cigarette and walk around this block with redwood trees. And sometimes you can just smell the sweetness of the redwood trees. And it was a gravel road, and he heard me, and I thought he was going to yell at me and say, get home, get home. And we just walked together. I don't even think we held hands. The next moment I had this very hard. Yeah. Um, we went past Mr. Parker's house before the sunset. Mm-hmm. And the, the river was green and still. You can hear the birds see the smell or, or hear the swaying of the redwood trees, you know, 150 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And the sky was laced, blue and orange. And, and somebody touched me, and I thought it was Dad. And I flinched because it was my mother. And things were getting very bad. You know, I'm already living in the basement. Right. I'm the family slave. I'm exiled. Mm-hmm. And she brought me into her chest. And I swear to you, I thought I can feel her heartbeat. I remember smelling her shampoo hair. She had pearl shampoo. <laughs> and for a moment, we were bonded. And that's one of the moments when things were very bad, I would always try to go to. Mm-hmm. And I knew as a child that things got very bad. I was maybe nine or ten. I think Mark Twain said the coldest winter I ever spent was in the summer of San Francisco. And we lived just south of San Francisco. My father was a firefighter in San Francisco, but we lived in Daly City. My mother had to kick me out of the house and, uh, one, one Saturday. You know, I wasn't a member of the family. I'm tired of looking at it. It is the cause of all our problems, blah, blah, blah. My father was a passive observer. He was right. broken. And, and, and I said, F this. You want to kick me out? Yeah, bye bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I ran and ran and ran and ran, and I had my plan. Total mission possible. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I can hear it. I was going to crawl under the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, sure. I didn't sure. know the name of this town. Okay. Uh, 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 and, and I was going to find the Gville town, and I was going to live under that bridge. And in the summertime, I can be one of those guys at the beach that puts up the umbrella or, you know, help you out and get a couple of nickels. That was my master plan. Brilliant. How got, old were you? I got as I got as far as two miles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I was probably about maybe nine or ten. Nine, okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm a skinny boy with no shoes and, you know, uh, bare thin uh, shorts. And it's cold. It it's cold. cold in San Francisco at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and there's scenes in the book. I kind of open up the lens of what happened here and what happened there from an adult perspective. And it's a very loving book about family dynamics because then there's, there's a battle royale scene because everybody says, why did your mom abuse you? Or what, 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 what made her flip out? 
Yeah. And there was a, there were several scenes about my mother just getting beaten up every day on the phone from her from her mother. Mm, and I wondered. You're going to hell in a handbasket. I told you not to get pregnant. Ah, 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 ah. Mm-hmm. You're doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there was a scene where my grandmother comes over to the house after my parents separate. And they start fighting and fighting and fighting, you know, just that, the sickness of the yelling. And it stops. And all of a sudden, the door comes open. I'm in the bottom of the basement. The light flips on. I'm sitting on my hands like a caged animal. My mother basically says, see, I told you it was there. Are you happy now? And my grandmother says, that's the most sorriest child I've ever seen. And my mother says, that's what you used to say about me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's starting yeah, to so make sense. Like that I wondered. Dark mm-hmm. theater thing. So I'm saying is we wrap everything up. We talk about my father being a passive observer. And there's a scene, I wish I was a film director. My parents separate and it broke my heart. And my brothers have to go out to see dad and give him his box, cardboard box in the rain. And that was my moment. I was always wanting to escape and I didn't have the space to escape. And I had my hand on this handle to the door. You know, it's like 20 feet away. I can run, I can live in an alley. And by accident, oh my God, I opened the door, just a crack. A second later, my father shuts it. And I never knew if he did it deliberately or it was just an accident. And there was a scene in which my father and I, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, an imaginary scene. That I just yell at him and say, why weren't you there? Right. You mm-hmm. always said, one of these days, I'm going to, you wait, one of these days, I'm going to have a talk with that woman. And uh, you will just watch. You, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Watch out. I'm going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. And it never happened. You just wanted to go with him in that moment. Like, this is I'd my chance. with him or just away. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and after years of one of these days, one of these days, it never came. So there's a scene in the book that I kind of just like mentally in a dreamlike state, just like, God damn it, what happened? You know, you're a firefighter, you rescue strangers, and you never took my hand. Yeah. You never took my hand. Right, right. So it has all these components. And it's really a beautiful love story in so many different levels. And it's actually, as a writer, you know, it's my best writing. Uh, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and she said, wow, I read your new book. You've really have changed the scope from The Child Called It to this. I said, well, the scope of A Child Called It was, as a film director, per se, it was written by an eight-year-old boy. Right, right. Graphic, fast-paced, very visual, because that's how boys at that age think. Yep. So as my character develops, I have to open up the lens differently. Yeah, that's yeah, that's just definitely. beautiful writing, Dave. Beautiful writing. So I I I did creative nonfiction a bit in in uh, college, and it's so incredibly difficult. Anybody who says I'm going to be a writer, they don't know what that takes. By the way, not everybody can just know. be a writer. I don't even no, know. No, and that's why I think I you're a good writer because you still don't know, <laughs> which makes you evolve. It's, it's, it's like making a new recipe. You got to try it out and do this and do that. But again, I remember before I was rescued, I wrote a book report, you know, because that's what I would do is I would bring home extra homework so my mom wouldn't abuse me so much, you know, because mm-hmm. she thought no one will find out about the secret. And, and, and I remember one time Miss Woodworth, who's since passed, she says, you're a good boy. And I just soaked it up like a sponge. Oh, my God. And she says, you know, you can be a writer. Because I remember, you know, reading these action books and in foster care, the book 
that that uh, changed my life was Mice and Men by Mr. John Steinbeck. Oh yeah, you know, Panda Rabbit. Fantastic writing. No one will bother us. And before my father passed away, physically in front of me, moments before he passed, I told him the most whopper of a lie, and he had to know it was a lie. I said, Dad, Dad, I got the cabin. I've been saving money in the Air Force. We're going to get the cabin at the Russian River, and no one will ever yell at us. We'll have a fireplace in the winter, and we'll barbecue in the summer. I mean, that was like a fantasy within a fantasy, and he had to know. I was only 19, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but I'm very pleased that I'm broadcasting this show on you at this... the Russian River. Are you really? Oh, my gosh. That yeah. is so you're, amazing. So you're in your happy place right now. I'm in the happy place. I know that you don't. It's amazing. To be able to go out someplace and just breathe it in. Like, you described it so perfectly. I have a deck. It's six feet by four feet. I got all these plants. And five feet away, it's like I live in Jurassic Park, the redwoods, (laughs) the moss. I'm Mr. Davy Doolittle. I feed the the squirrels. We actually converse. I I, I got the hummingbirds, the the blue jays, and, and, and whatever. And what's great, and this is where ladies get your tissues. My fantasy was to have four generations at the Russian River and take a photo of this cabin that we used to stay at. Yeah. And mm-hmm. guess what? I did that. Oh, amazing. I had amazing. my father's badge in my back pocket. Oh. When he died, that's the only thing he had. The only thing, because he gave my mom every cent of his check. Mm-hmm. He was homeless. Mm-hmm. So I had my father's badge that I flew with every Air Force mission. Anytime I did an in-service training, go overseas, uh, uh, my son was born, I carried my father's badge. As a fire captain, I carried my father's badge, and I had my own badge. So there is a photo of me walking with my grandson, mm-hmm. holding his hand. My son's holding his other hand, and we're posing at the uh, posing by the cabin. I love that. Oh, that and is and, and here's where it gets really thick. Okay. I'm not even 100 yards away from that cabin. Okay. That is right amazing. Mm-hmm. It, does it still you exist? See, it, it's, it's, it's like... You know, God blesses you, and you have to work to appreciate those blessings. I always tell people when you're down and you think you can't go on, and suddenly you get two texts in an hour, and it says the same damn thing. Oh, my God, that is God knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. Or maybe in a period of five to seven days, people out of nowhere call or text, or they bump into you, and, how you doing? I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. That is God screaming mm-hmm. at you. But I always tell people God is busy. Yeah. So don't wait for God to help you. Just, you know, just allow yourself to experience the pain and the trauma because that makes the victory of life all the sweeter. Mm-hmm. When did when did you forgive your dad? Do you feel like there is a moment? You know, it's weird because it's so much easier for me to forgive my mother because she was just sick. That makes sense. There was sense. nothing in the mm-hmm. world that could have saved her, even in this day and age. My mother had three babies in less than four years. She was an alcoholic at the time, day of wine and roses, per se, and just beaten up by my grandmother. My grandmother was Darth Maul, for God's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I forgive my mom because I understand that. My dad was just a very, very gentle person, and he didn't know how bad this cancer was. Why is the boy sitting in the corner. Well, mm-hmm. he did this, he did that. Well, let's make sure he doesn't do that again. Mm-hmm. And then every month, why is he in the basement? Why have we fed him? 
one time, and this is very sad, my mother had me swallow ammonia once. I had no idea. Whatever, big deal. Man, that can kill you. It can. You can yeah. your trachea and your esophagus, and you can die. I have a hernia, esophagus, and trachea to this day. Yeah, it caused permanent later, damage. Yes, it has. And it's weird because I have to speak at a different rate, and I always have to have, like, water mm, yeah. with me. And that's why sometimes my voice cracks. Not even 24 hours later, my father comes home from work, uh, and then she shoves the uh, ammonia in my throat. I fall down right in front of my father, still dressed in this fire utility outfit. And then at the last second, mother <coughs> pops me in the back of my uh, shoulder so I can <coughs> cough up and breathe. And I'll never forget this. Verva, what has the boy done now? Mm. See, he's always trying to steal food. He's a food thief. Well, maybe if you fed him a little bit more, he wouldn't steal so much. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Right. Broke my heart. Broke and, my heart. And again, one of these days, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to have a talk with that woman. You watch me. Oh, I'm going to put my foot down. I don't know of the moment you know, forgiving him. Maybe what really kills me is I can forgive my mom for what she did to me. Mm-hmm. But she, my father was in a hospital dying of cancer. He was in the hospital for four to six months, completely alone. Not even his firefighter brothers. They thought he was dead or moved on. New. And my, I was a young person in the Air Force. My mother finally broke down, called my foster parents and was overseas. I flew back in. My father could not walk or talk or even communicate with his eyes. And this is, I'm a 19-year-old child, and this is my first experience with death. And the fact that he was all alone, and I approached my mom before, right before he died, I said, your husband's in a hospital. Yes, I know. Can you see him? It would be too hard for me to see him. What was me? Yeah, yeah. And there's a a part of me, as adult day, or my language, bitch, put on your best dress, and I can't put on some makeup. Yeah, pull right. that rat nest of a hair. You're going to go see your husband. You know, just drag her in if need be so he can be comforted. And the fact that he was alone, think about that, in solitary, knowing that you're going to die. I think that's when I had to forgive him. Mm-hmm. Sure. That makes sense. You know, and it's weird. It's a daily process because here's the thing, and I'll slow down for your audience. When you forgive someone, you're empowering yourself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you become a hostage. Yep. You become a psychological psychological hostage to all the crap and all the negativity, and it never, never stops. What kills me, ladies, is when people particularly are hurt or violated, and it destroys their life forever. Mm-hmm. I say I survived to be happy, damn it. Yeah, yeah. Every time I eat, you know, I feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway. Hey, what's it like? What's it like to be back there, buddy? <laughs> you're back in, woo, you're back from the, from the, the island what's it like Tom Hanks smiles and says the ultimate line I have ice yeah yeah <laughs> every yeah. time I breathe I can look at myself in the mirror and I have nice teeth you know considering mm-hmm. everything I've done against my body I'm still in pretty good shape right and every day I think I have a good attitude I'm so damn lucky and it just kills me when people like you know oh my god uh, I, I was abused one time for 10 minutes or 50 years ago, and I'm still in misery. I'm going, no, you like that. Get out. Right, right. You're, hold, that. you're holding yourself hostage. You're, yep. You've become a hostage. Yep. Here's the thing, too, and we forget this. Hi. I've never met anybody that says, hi, I'm Joe. 
I have cancer, I'm a victim of cancer. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm fighting cancer. Right. I'm a survivor of cancer. And I'm, gr- I'm so grateful to be here. Mm-hmm. There's the difference. It has to come from the inside. Everything that happened to me, my arm was pulled out of the socket at age four. The secret. Okay? So I had to adjust that. My mom burnt my arm on a gas stove at age eight. Right. Blisters in the bottom of the basement. I raised my hand, which is hard because I got blisters in the palm of my hand to my bicep. And I basically said, I've learned a valuable lesson. I'm going to have to start fighting for myself. I got to think ahead. I raised my arm in a pledge, the Boy Scout Rebelos pledge. And I said, I'm never going to quit. I'm going to give everything my best shot. And everything, I was rescued at age 12. I weighed about 64 pounds. Mm-hmm. My mother was, I thought she was going to kill me that weekend. Yes. You want to talk about mm-hmm. Mission Impossible? Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Things yep. just came at the right place at, at the, the right, right time. time. And I've always kind of forced up myself in the situations and out of situations. Again, as I said before, ladies, I'm the most blessed, luckiest person that I know. That's why... I try, 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 try. I do three nice things a day. I want to people, make people laugh three times a day. And I want to just kind of relax in my own little world. Well, again, I'm it, broadcasting the show to you at the Russian River. Right. That's so cool. And it sounds to me like you have figured out that what you put out into the world is what comes back to you. And well, it, there's it, a thing. And, and I don't mean to interrupt because I no, forget where I heard this from. This one person said, the key to happiness is never you. The key to happiness is making your own happiness. Mm-hmm. And the key to happiness is doing for others. And I swear mm-hmm. to God, ladies, I purchased wings for foster homes. I purchased more cars than Oprah Winfrey on steroids. <laughs> I, I, I send hundreds of kids to Disneyland with hotel and money and everything. But now that my finances aren't what they used to be, I can see the homeless people and, and face to face and shake their hand and say, God bless you. Mm-hmm. I go to Costco once a month. I spend hundreds of dollars on socks and blankets and coats in the rain for these people. Mm-hmm. And it makes me feel so appreciative of the things in the life that I have now. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Hence COVID, hence freedom. Duh. Right. Every mm-hmm. day is a blessing for me. Dave, I want to ask you a question before we, because we've been doing this for a long time too, and I want to keep you forever, especially because I know you're going to come back and talk to us again. Um, You have a really unique perspective in terms of the foster care system. As you can imagine, and you did a little bit of research on both Charnel and I, so you you know what we do. You, as you can imagine, we have a lot of we hear a lot of criticism about the foster care system oh. and everything that's wrong. And with I it. was a foster care worker, for right? Many and years. and I prosecuted those child abuse and neglect cases before my current position. So, can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, why you feel about the foster care system? How you do? Well, it's amazing. I did. Uh, I remember doing the Oprah Winfrey show. And, and uh, I remember I could not get her to laugh at the end of the first segment, you know, <laughs> you stretch and get up and readjust. It's called the yeah, reshoot or something. And I did a Arnold Schwarzenegger joke in his voice and the audience laughed because the first segment was so heavy, so serious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then I sat down. She goes, oh, my gosh, you are not in my book club, but your books are kicking butt. I had four books simultaneously on the New York Times bestseller list. She says, no one has the accolades. You have these accolades. And she said, my goodness, your parents must be so proud. And the audience went, oh, hey, that's that off, okay? Oh. oh. So I said, well, yes, my foster parents are very proud. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at this. 
I'm a 12-year-old child who doesn't speak, has no currency, knows nothing about anything except for darkness and despair. And yet, I became a pretty good person. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> really? Yeah. And think about it, too. I mean, foster parents, oh, yeah, they do it for the money. Let me quote a line oh, from Jared McGuire. Show me the money. Yeah. Show me the money. And, of course, all these social workers are nothing but Nazis and pumps. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> and they always... They get a commission. They get a. I love that one. I love it. When they kidnap a child, did you hear them? Yes, when we kidnap children. Okay, here's the thing. Here's where social workers go crazy. Easter, and let me see what else. Oh, that's right. Trick or treat. Because they lay out all the little candies, and then they knock these kids in the head and throw them in the van. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. and, And part of the problem is, and we have to, again, the big picture, is it's so easy to criticize something you don't understand. Yep. You know, because sex sells. Anything sexy sells. Mm-hmm. You know, anything unusual. Found on Mars, a statue of Elvis. Really? Yeah. It says, oh, it's in print. So, <laughs> it was on the internet. It must be true. There, there was a, I learned a lesson. There was this young lady. She was getting beaten up by the press. She was pretty, and they kind of drove on her a little bit. And they said, hey, you know what? Your last four films have flopped. Uh, uh, you're a serial dater, you know, uh, you're not that pretty anymore. And, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And your brother hates you because you won't allow him to be an actor in, in films. And the lovely Miss Julia Roberts just nods her head. He says, well, you can say whatever you want, but I know in my heart what is true. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I mean, I could have been in jail. Right. Right. My mother right. actually wanted to put me in a mental institution right. when I was in foster care, mm-hmm. which was really, you know, all I, I mean, I kind of gave up. Okay, whatever. But if you look at how I raised my son and how he's raising his son, mm-hmm. you know, viable lessons. Yeah. You know, yeah. from foster care and services. Think about it. These people are so stupid. They take in a child that's battle damaged and try to attempt to, for a sense of normalcy. Right. <laughs> my yes. God. Yes. It's just, and, and it's, it, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to explain the dedication and compassion that I've received, you know, and, and I remember living in one home six times. Uh, they closed down a foster home. They put you in the juvenile hall. Right. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I had different experiences. But if you look at the, hopefully the person I am today, you have to credit my time. Because think about it, from age 12 to age 18, you know, those years. You know, my my brain was developed, of course, but my body was like four years behind, which yeah. is great at my age now. Right. right. But, <laughs> He's like, oh, I look yeah, fantastic. Like, <laughs> I'm clearly yeah. in my early 50s. Right. Oh, my goodness. And But I'm just trying to convey, you know, it's it's like anything. Um, Everybody hates cops. Cops are bad <laughs> and they're thugs, you know, and yet everybody loves the firemen. Oh, my God, what a sexy job that is. Yeah. We had a small little fire in 2017 you might have heard of it called the tubs fire it started uh, uh 30 miles away and somehow the ambers landed in a, a north of a place called santa rosa oh yep. yeah okay 5800 yep. homes burned in three hours or less wow i'm proud to say that we were in the first engines on the coast to, to, to come in to help out and they said oh you firefighters you saved us you saved us and, and, you know, they kind of, yeah, thanks, we're cool. I said, bullshit. 
there was those police officers that went door to door to door to door in the middle of the night, in the middle of the fire. It was lava. Yeah. Right. It yeah. was lava. Mm-hmm. Evacuating. It was, so it's always, you want to be Steve McQueen. You want to be quite cool <laughs> about your job. And that's what social services and foster care provide. It's a job I would never want. I'd never accept that mission. Tommy Cruz can never accept that <laughs> mission. You know, and what's funny about you saying that is the number of people who either mentioned to us or who have commented that your books are the reason that they went into the field that they went yep. into. Yep. My sister, well, again, who's a huge... <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> Way to go, Dave. <laughs> well, my sister was in uh, undergrad, and at the time she was studying child development, and I think your book was actually assigned. It's why she read the it first is. one. Yeah, it is in a lot of places. And then from that, um, one, she became like your biggest fan ever. Like I said, she just freaking loves you and, and everything that you stand for with the resiliency part. But she also decided because of it, that social work's not for her. She's a nurse. Yeah. So, and she's a fantastic oh, nurse. Yeah. She's a, she's a hospice well, nurse. She does end of life care. Oh my goodness. That, yeah, that is a, and, and there's one thing too I want to stress here. And this is important for your audience. And I've had to learn this lesson too. And I still learn it on a daily basis, no matter what we do, because again, there's going to be some pressures involved in the next few years. People are still adjusting to COVID world with all the work that we try to do for our families and our friends. And, and when you, you know, you put on your big boy pants, and, you know, and you're going out against the, the hurricane of life, it's so important to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is, I mean, having that glass of wine or, or just take the vacation or a nap yeah. or just shut the door and say, get out, you know, run amok, do your thing, but leave me alone. It's so, because what it does too, we can settle the mind, clear the mind, reduce some tension, and then get ready for the next battle. Because, again, it's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something. I love that you mentioned self-care. And you did the ultimate in self-care. You are literally reporting from the place that is your happy that place. It's like how place. you started mm-hmm. started your journey. Yeah. And um, you'll see that that's how we kind of ended the book in which my character, you know, against all odds, finally finds the utopia. That, as a matter of fact, I used to live in, it's called the village, the Brava village. It's these little townhomes in the Guerneville area, which is, not, which is connected to Riverside Drive, where my cabin used to be. And I got it at the right place at the right time, and everything fell into place. And that's why sometimes you kind of kind of let go and let God in a way. Mm-hmm. Do as much as you can, for as long as you can, for as many as you can. But then you've got to kind of take a step back, and sometimes you have to take that leap of faith. You have to attempt to try. Yes, yes. I would like to share with you um, a, my own personal story here um, that I think you might find intriguing. It goes along with that. You know, you mentioned earlier about like God sending you signs and signals, and you know, telling, putting things in the right place in the right time in and the universe. Yeah. In yes, absolutely. So the first time that I read A Child Called It, um, I had actually just recently accepted, this was back in 2010, I think it was, and I had just accepted a position with the state of Michigan, that's where we're from, to be a Child Protective Services investigator. And I read your book and um, thought, you know, wow, I, in our county, I bet I'm never going to see something that tragic, all right? I'm not even kidding you. Two days later, I was assigned what I have called the rest of my my life at this point in time, my own uh, child called it case. And I found it extremely divine. 
that um, I had read that read your book and had this um, you know this this particular child wasn't called a name. Um, it was actually so bad that they tried to his mother had passed away and they dad and new stepmom had tried to remove the mother's name from uh, his birth certificate. That's how bad they wanted to erase her. Um, but he was not allowed out of, you know, to be a part of the family. Um, very, very similar to your own story. And um, I do feel like your book helped prepare me for, and gave me the courage of, I can I can help this kid. Because they were very, his his parents, his stepmom and his mother were very intimidating people. They tried anyway. Um, at that time, Megan was the prosecuting attorney. On yeah, I prosecuted, ne- I prosecuted that case criminally also. Yes, yes, exactly. And so um, that that child, he would have been, he was 14 at the time. Um, he wanted to wear a shirt that said, I love my investigator <laughs> on it because I was the one that had um, removed him, of course, and Megan was the one that prosecuted And it. Dave, let's be honest, you've seen Charnel. She's this beautiful blonde little <laughs> angel. And so he's probably like, this is the sweetest, most beautiful person in the world. She's saving me. And boy, is she pretty. <laughs> Well, I, I got to I tell you a quick story because, again, when I was 12, you know, I had the body of like a six-year-old, but the mind of a 20-year-old. <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget my first crush. Uh, of course, I want to say Jane Seymour from James Bond because that was the first movie I ever saw was uh, Roger Moore, Live and Let Die. And by the way, he was one of the judges for the 10 Outstanding Young Person of the World Award that I received. Oh, from, oh that's so cool. In part because of him. But my first crush was Miss Gold. She was six foot, 18 inches, blonde hair, beehive, everything about her. She was so beautiful. She floated. She didn't walk. Every, some women are so, they just, they just like, they float. The, the, the gravity does not apply to them. And she and was your course, social was worker, first, right? She was my social worker. And she was the first one. I remember I threw up on psychological. I just told her, everything mm-hmm. you know and she was the one that reinforced me that hey you didn't deserve this you're not thinking on your parents but you know you have to trust me mm-hmm. and i said this in the book uh return to the river there's a line that just stops it i wasn't built for trust and yet she was the person that i can trust and i do not have a photo of her anymore i think i had one as a child but you move around in foster care you keep things in a uh, if you were smart, not in the paper bag, but in, in, in the pillowcase, mm, you know, mm-hmm. grab and go. But it's amazing, you know, in the course of a life, what events may transpire and how lucky you are. And it's so important. Again, this is going to be a long road for all of us listening to this show from self-empowerment and bettering ourselves. And at the same time, being respectful to everybody who is in the field of trying to attempt to help others out. Not a day goes by and do not think of that woman. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, that's beautiful. And as some, so I did um, child protective services. Then I, then I was a foster care worker. Then I went to um, a special unit that handles abuse in foster care. Um, and so it's, it's nice to hear that. Cause there are, there are times Dave, for sure, where, um, and I speak of this sometimes on the podcast as well, where the kids, um, you know, they don't want to be removed. They don't look at you as someone who's helping. They they are so brainwashed and that they look at you as the person who ruined their it's, life. But it's all they know. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's consistency and comfort, it's right? Like, 
I, I, I thought I thought there was always one kid in the family that happened to be the bad child. No, no, that's one kid on the neighborhood, one kid in the block, or one kid in the state, one kid in the whatever. And it just happened to be me. But then as I matured, I'm saying, well, I try to do a thousand chores in five seconds or less. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to chase your approval. Mm-hmm. Look, I got an A plus in school. You know, you try. And that sometimes too, you know, you, you have to be in that safe place that you can start to think differently. Mm-hmm. And again, everything in my life has been timing and tumblers. Right time, right place. When I said I was burned on the gas stove at age eight and I decided to raise my hand and be proactive, 90% of our psychological makeup is at age eight mm-hmm. to 10, our place in the world, which we want to become, uh, uh, what our, our beliefs at age four, when my mother uh, pulled my arm out of the socket, those are the maternal years of trust yep. between particularly within a, a, a mother and child. And that's when I realized, what? Because the next day she woke me up and, 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 and she said, oh my God, you don't remember this, but you fell off the bunk bed. Mm. And I heard you screaming and I ran and put on my robe, opened up the door, ran down the hallway, opened up the boy's bedroom door and you just slipped right through my fingers. Why hmm. do you think she did that? Hang on, it's Scully. I'll tell you why. The truth is out <laughs> I there. love it. Because she said the same thing to the doctor when he put my arm back in the socket, but more dramatic, more, I'm ready for my test, Mr. Daniel. <laughs> right. Right. Well, it, what fantastic doctor, acting. Agreed. But she the, didn't the, try to the, do the, that with the, the ammonia. The, the thing is, I remember when we came home, my arm's in a sling. Barbara, what happened to the boy now? Oh, he fell out of the bed. Whoa, is me. You're never here. You don't understand. Oh, my God. What's a woman, a mother to do? And you know what he did? Back in the day, uh, father would give us a nickel or a dime. He reached into his pocket. He pulled out a dime. And you know what? He accidentally dropped it. It's 127 feet per second until something stabilizes. So excuse me. Sorry, I'm Columbo for a second. Meet uh, Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. <laughs> right. Uh, you're telling me, Mrs. Pelzer, that you heard your boy screaming. You jumped out of your bed. You opened up the closet. You put on your robe. You opened up the door. You ran down the hallway. You opened up the boy to the bedroom, what bedroom door, and he slipped right through your fingers. Does that make any freaking sense? None. None. Yeah. But yet, exactly. Not with the space-time yes. continuum, Dave. Right. That's He's acting, and she's. She thinks everybody's going to believe it. And for right. a while, they did. Right. And that was my normal world. But mm-hmm. everything that happened to me, against me, I was able to somehow figure it out. Did she ever have a and diagnosis? Again, luck. I'm sorry? Did your mom ever have a diagnosis at all? Ladies, you're missing, you're missing the train. <laughs> this, no, I mean it. There weren't even laws. No. To protect kids or those oh, for sure. kids. They never brought her up on one single charge. Oh, yeah. I just wondered if later in life anything would ever, oh, no, ever no, happen. No, yeah. No, no. That doesn't it, surprise it really, me. It was, it's, it's, it's sad because as a young man, I was 27. My boy was uh, about a year old. And I'm going from one Air Force base to another across the, 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 the country. And I actually stopped outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, and I interviewed my mother for over four hours. Oh, wow. 
Really? Yeah. I remember afterwards, I got in the car and drove and threw up. Yeah, but I did sure. something that was kind of smart. It, uh, I planned it. I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. At the end of the interview, and she didn't even know she was being interviewed, you know, the same seven questions over and over, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I went to tie my shoe. So I got off the chair, and she's in a chair above me. And here's a woman that was very controlling, PTA director, the prettiest woman on the block, beautiful home. And she's sleeping in her uh, uh, urine-infested chair. Mm-hmm. She sleeps there. She has two TVs that are on at all times. She's grossly out of, overweight, out of shape. A chronic alcoholic with bottles and bottles and bottles of empty bottles of vodka around her. She became a prisoner of her own world. Mm-hmm. The house has yellowness uh, uh, through the, the walls because of the cigarettes, the drapes. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a disgusting dungeon. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think I lived in a dungeon myself as a kid. Right, right. She's become a prisoner. And here I am. I'm tall. Uh, 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 working out, good shape. I'm flying for the United States Air Force. I was a war hero, for Christ's sakes. I have a beautiful family, and I did the ultimate thing. I bowed down before her with body language. I tied my shoes, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I was going to, um, I can't seem to forget, what am I doing here? Uh, 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 I stupidly asked her in a broken sentence, was there a time that maybe we could have, uh, it could have gone uh, to, to, too far and immediately immediately david you have to understand something i was planning on killing it the summer of 1973 oh my god they took it away from me march of 1973 the only problem i had david was where to hide its body david now we know in psychology it's it's a Mm -hmm. it's, it's a personality trait it's an imaging thing you address the subject, not in human terms, yep. but in subhuman terms, because right. that gives you a layer of protection. Mm-hmm. Got to dehumanize. And Ron mm-hmm. had he dropped, had a sudden stroke, heart attack. When they said, "Hey, Ken, you took all this money, you know, burning hell, butthead," mm-hmm. and he finally felt it, and it killed him. Mm-hmm. Right. It killed him. That that all that suffering and all that pain, and yet my mother. I mean, it already planned it out. Again, I was so lucky. Yeah. I was so lucky that at the right time, at the right place, you know, the Mission Possible team rescued me, mm-hmm. gave me love, gave me advice, and I got to uh, live a different life. And you chose and again, to follow it. Over and over, you know, a blessed life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that, as, I, as we're going on and getting to know you, Dave, a lot of it absolutely has to do with your choices and your mindset, you have chosen to focus your life just so yes. differently from what others have. And that and is that's, such that's an important the, that's pers- the F word I give to the kids when I, because I'm doing a, a program. Uh, I do a lot of gratis work. And when I work or, you know, speak at the juvenile halls, or I just did a thing last week with the foster care in San Mateo County where I was rescued, I said, here's your F word focus, focus, focus. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the hell are you at? Yep. Yep. Where the hell are you going? Yep. And how are you going to get there? Because I say, look around you. I say, these social workers, these counselors and therapists, they're stupid. Because they can make six times more money doing something else. <laughs> the, right. person, the, the, the person that is in your face demanding greatness from you is the one that really cares about you. But you have to carry the load. Yeah. I think differently. As a firefighter, 
chief of the Air Force, in-flight emergency flying for the Air Force. Uh, uh, and I've, again, forced kept myself in and out of situations. And I just break things down into small little pieces. And I say, no, 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 you don't need to go around the horn on this. Are you pregnant? You have cancer. Are you happy? What? Well, there it is. Yeah. You got to break it down and keep it simple. Because again, there's so much stuff coming down the pike, like Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first scene. Oh my God, watch out, Indy. Uh, there's this giant ball that's going to crush you. So you better move your ass. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that every morning. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Get out of bed, Charnel. <laughs> there's a giant ball about to crush your ass. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, well, I love ladies, it. I, Keep moving forward. I think forward. That's, that's our time. I think so. Right. Yep. It is. It's just like a date. I, I got to end the date on a high note. Otherwise, I'll screw this up. Right. Us too. But before you hang up on us, can you plug your newest book again, um, where people can find it, which I'm sure is everywhere because Amazon is not it, just a river it is, anymore. It is. It's, it's everywhere. And it's the book. And, and, it's, and it's such a romantic title. It's called Return to the River. And, Beautiful. and uh, we do a podcast show. I think it's called the Dave Pelzer show. Uh, it's a pretty good show. Okay. I'm still working on that. I'm going to work on Aaron one this week. If I can, I've just been very busy and there is a possibility where there was a possibility. We're supposed to be in production for a child called it as the movie. Oh, uh, okay. Fall, but there's a writer's strike. Right. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you the person I feel really bad for is Tom Cruise. Cause he's been, he was supposed to make, Mission Possible 7 and 8 together. And then COVID hit, COVID hit, COVID hit, and they were going back to production. Now there's a writer's strike. Oy. Oh, but, right. uh, And that's, that's the one thing, too, is what I'm, it's in my contract uh, with the movie, is I wanted my teachers to walk the red carpet. Mm. You know, do a fundraiser for every time we premiered it. But uh, some of my teachers have passed on, but they've had children. So we want to do something respectful for them. Amazing. And hopefully if Mrs. Uh, Gold is still out there and listening to me, yes. you know, maybe I'll, maybe uh, we'll pick her up in a nice limo. Okay. Right. You're just such a beautiful soul, Dave. I love it. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time to be on no, ladies, show. I want to, I want to thank you for all your hard work. Cause you know, the great ones always make it look easy. The great <laughs> ones are always, they're always pretty on the outside, but inside they're the ones crying and they're the ones that are a little bit battle damaged. And I'm just grateful to be a guest on your show. And, and I would like to maybe, if, if you want, you know, maybe do another show or two if you want. You know, we'll do something on comedy, for goodness sakes. Absolutely. Oh, Dave, we do some uh, good comedy pieces, too. We, we would be well, happy well, to have you on for a feel-good episode. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I've been blessed to uh, I, I, I do. Uh, my best comic show I did was in Kuwait, for goodness sakes. And uh, I'm, I'm known to do uh, voices. And I remember I was with President Reagan one time. And he put his arm around me and he said, do me. <laughs> and at, at first I thought, Mr. Mr. President, <laughs> I've never. And, 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 and I looked at his staff and they shrugged their shoulders. And he says, I hear you can do my voice. Do me, do me now. And oh. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I couldn't do, I did a great Reagan, but I just, I, I couldn't do Reagan at the time. So he said, can you do President Bush Sr., who is in the White House? And I said, yes, sir, I can do that. He says, I'll do Reagan, you do Bush. And he kind of like shaking himself and like, <clears throat> get, <clears throat> get in the character. And so he did Reagan, I did Bush. And and and, and like when I meet people, they, they want me to do their voice. So I had to, again, with the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, you're the guy who does my voice. 
when, he, when he was governor, he said, tells him, what'd you think of that? I said, Arnie, I love you, but vernacular, vernacular, most spectacular, vernacular. All right. Maria, get me out of here. Get me to the chopper. Or, uh, you know, or, or I, I got a chance to meet Mr. Williams. I was recording one of my books in Robin's uh, studio, and I physically bumped into the guy. And, and you know, you always want to be respectful and be very private to some of these people. But uh, we actually did a Robin Williams off. And again, he said, I won. And uh, he said, we have to stop because I'm about to spot myself. And that was before cell phones. So... Can you imagine me on my on my knees looking at the guy going, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, we always end every episode with what we call a brain bath. And so we tell a funny story. We read a funny uh, news article, something like that. And then Our listeners sometimes tell us yep, stories or give own, us anecdotes as well that we'll share. Their own funny stories. And then uh, for our paying subscribers, we do a whole episode that's just a brain bath episode. And sometimes we go so far off the rails. So we would <laughs> love to have you on for one of those episodes that would be amazing well, i'll tell you write this down for your notes i got two great stories for you one i almost killed clint eastwood oh, two, first of all two, that should be the title of your next book right yeah and the second story is my last visit to the white house oh my oh okay i'm so yeah. intrigued yeah. all right that's what we're gonna cover next time for sure all right and don't forget uh um Send me your addresses so I can send you a book. Absolutely. We would love to. Okay, and tell your sister I said hello. Dave, could you say hello, Alyssa? Uh, mm, let me, as, as, how about this? Make is she it a sexy. fan of Arnold or is she a fan of Clint Eastwood? Probably. <laughs> she's going to go with Clint for sure. All right, sweetheart. Well, I'm going to I'm 93 now and uh, between wives. So, uh, you know, give us a call. Then, uh, and we'll go ahead and make my day. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so love it. Well, on, whew, on that note, Dave. I know he left us all warm. Yeah, we're fanning ourselves <laughs> right. over here. <laughs> oh, shoot. Ladies, well, seriously, it's been my honor and my pleasure. And please, if I may, keep up the great work. You're doing a fantastic job. And you're saving you. generations. This is a long-term event. Yes, a long-term event. Yes, thank you. It's going to get a little rocky. Yeah, thank you for for all the work that you do, and let's talk soon. Okay, absolutely. Thank you, Dave. It was a pleasure. Take care. God bless you, ladies. God bless you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed that interview that we did with Dave. It was truly our pleasure to have him on, and. I'm just, I'm still so awestruck. I know, I'm kind of awestruck I'm too. awestruck right now. So and I what feel a like great he way gave us end. a brain bath. That, he kind you of know. did. Like, so going over, Ooh. you know, parts one and two with his story and then just really hearing from the man here at the end. Yeah, um, yeah I think. Uh, this has been an amazing series to cover. Um, thank you to everyone who recommended it for us. Um, we, we've had several, there's like too many of you guys to even name because several of you have recommended that. And whatever, for whatever reason, Megan, one Saturday morning, I was starting to research his case and just looked up his public relations and said, let's send him an email see and if see what happens willing to be on the show. So she tells me this and I don't figure we'll ever hear anything from, you know, such a, a big star, a big writer. And I know Dave doesn't think of himself that way, but he no, really but is. He is. He's a brilliant man. And yeah. I walked in one day and you're like, guess what? By the way. 
here's the four dates that are possible. Pick one so we can talk to Dave Pelzer. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Yeah, Is this yeah. our life? Yeah, I'm I'm fangirling. A little like bit. Like big time over here. Bit. Yeah, I kind of can't believe this is what we do. So that that's amazing. And um, yeah, you guys, I just really hope that you enjoyed this. Feel free to share this episode with others that are fans of Dave because he's got a lot of great work out there. Um, and I'm buying new, that book. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to read it. Yep, get his, his new works out there. So, and I would love to continue to have him on to promote his newest stuff because he's going to keep creating most definitely. So, all right, y'all. Thanks so much for hanging in with us. Keep it curious. Keep it curious. Bye-bye. Thank you.